This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. This is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producers are Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry. Got a good show for you this week, particularly if you are an NHL fan. Two guests, both my colleagues from The Athletic, Sean Shapiro, is an NHL writer for The Athletic who specializes in the business of hockey. Ryan S. Clark, who's been on this podcast before, covers the NHL, and specifically the Seattle Kraken for The Athletic. And we are going to discuss ESPN's seven-year television streaming and media rights deal, which was struck this week. The agreement will run from the beginning of the 2021-22 season through the 2027-28 season. Very, very big deal, certainly for the NHL and ESPN, and a pretty significant deal when it comes to sports media rights. And I'm pleased to be joined by Sean Shapiro and Ryan Clark. Thanks, guys, for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. Of course. Glad to be here. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had better intros before, so I give I give you guys a B minus intro. I apologize for that. You, you you two are you guys are a guests. You deserved a better intro, but uh, but we shall forge on. All right, Sean, let me start with you. Um, you you wrote the main piece for the Athletic when it came to sort of an explainer on the 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 deal between ESPN and the NHL. So let me ask you a writ large question. Um, what are your initial impressions of the deal between the two entities? So my initial impression of the deal um, for me, the, the thing that sticks out obviously is kind of the nature of it, where we're going. That's the, instead of the, we compare this to the, I think one of the falsities for lack of a better word is everyone compares it to the NBC deal right away where, Hey, the NHL got 200 million for NBC, um, 200 million from NBC for the national rights package where, um, the ESPN deal is kind of unique in the nature where I, I, the structure I think is, is unique and important to bring up where it's the over the, it's the over the top streaming. It's about, it's more to me, it seems to be more about playoffs and streaming than anything else. It's about, yes, there are going to be national TV games throughout the year on ESPN and ABC, but it's more about having that national TV presence for the Stanley cup final and really the acquisition, the full blown acquisition of, um, basically turning folding NHL TV and ESPN plus. So it's kind of, I look at this as kind of a full blown, how ESPN looked at this deal was, okay, we're going to bolster our streaming. We're going to bolster our content. And the NHL clearly had felt that it was, uh, that there was enough subscriber base already to be willing to give those 75 exclusive games and obviously are betting big on streaming. So th- that's the big takeaway for me is okay. This, uh, we're betting big on streaming. And the other thing too, is while the 400 million, $420 million is a, is a number that really pops, it's not really an exact doubling of the national rights. Cause we have to remember that Disney had already been paying a hundred million to the league uh, before to kind of run for, for digital rights and, and streaming and things like that. So those are the first things that pop out to me. It's all about streaming to me. And that's clearly what both ESPN and the league are, are really focusing on as they, as they look into that demographic. What about you, Ryan? When you knew the deal was coming, when it finally got announced and you saw the 
the details and the terms. What were your impressions? You could argue it's a little bit of a retrofit in a sense, because on one hand, you look at the fact that the rights are going to be split. It's what we already see with the NFL, where the NFL has parceled out its rights between Fox, CBS, NBC, ESPN. With the NHL, really, it hadn't been like that since the 90s when it was on ESPN and it was on Fox. It's usually just kind of been on one channel in the United States. So to break it apart, it, it, it kind of feels like a little bit like what we've seen in previous years. But to Sean's point about the streaming, that's why we say retrofit, because on one hand, it, it is tapping into the past, but also you're looking ahead because when you think about streaming, you think about all the conversations we've heard and the different data that we've seen about people who are cutting the cord and who are just going more to your streaming devices. This is how you modernize yourself in, in a current landscape is you make yourself available so that way people can watch it on their phones, tablets, whatever that they want, whether they're on the go or at home. And, and, and so when you take a step back at this, like, yes, it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be that second partner. But really, it's the idea of how do you make something with, with this sport not only more modern, but you're able to do it with, frankly, the largest conduit of sports programming in the world. I'm going to stick with you, Ryan. Um, you know, one of the things that has been a narrative when it comes to the NHL is that the NHL was hurt without a partnership uh, or at least a larger partnership with ESPN. And that in order to in order to really be part of the larger sports conversation, you have to have more significance on ESPN. W- whether that's true or not is kind of an interesting discussion because of the New age, we're in cord cutting, streaming, et cetera. But this has been kind of a narrative, as you know, for regarding the NHL and hockey for a long time. So now that this has happened, now that ESPN is a full-fledged, if not the, actually not even full-fledged, they have the A package compared to whoever gets the B package. What do you think this means for the NHL in the United States? Will it have a cause and effect? It's now on the NHL, it's now on ESPN, and thus the NHL will sort of gain more popularity, more traction? Hypothetically, it should, because whether it's been fans or players or even media members who've either sardonically or seriously said, when has ESPN really covered the NHL? It hasn't for a while. Now it is. And so to your point that you made earlier, Richard, you look at ESPN's programming and how often do we see a lot of the shows really reflect around the right deal that they have. Like you've seen them make an investment in the NBA, the NFL with their programming beyond things like Sports Center with, with, with shows like NFL Nation. Uh, yes, we think about the old highlight shows like Baseball Tonight, NBA Tonight, NHL Tonight, and it's going to be interesting to see if that's a format ESPN uses because it seems like that's something they've kind of gone away from. Even with the new Sports Center with Sean, soon as Scott Van Pelt and just kind of what he's done there with, with, with kind of formatting that show. But as it relates just to the overall popularity, it's something that you would assume would help for this reason. When you think about what American television viewing habits are. In no particular order, you have the NFL, you have the NBA, you have college football, college basketball, Major League Baseball, and the Premier League. So if you're the NHL, you're fighting for sixth or seventh already off the bat. Now, yes, the Premier League's a bit of a different animal because once upon a time it was on ESPN, now it's on NBC. But even when you look at the way that those two leagues are marketed, with the Premier League, it's this full-out assault with NBC in the sense of, You can find it here. You can find it on Peacock. We have all these different things centered around the fact that this is your home for the Premier League if you live in the United States, and there's no bones about it. Whereas with the NHL, you could argue, is there that level of commitment? So to see it go to ESPN, where it's going to get more traction, more eyeballs, 
it's interesting because to this point, I'll stop talking. When you think about the impact ESPN has had, let's put it like this. We've all kind of said for the last 20 years, every Sunday, do this many people watch bowling on ESPN? But guess what? They do, and they found a way to make it relevant. So if you're hockey in the NHL, you're looking at this going, why can't the same thing happen? What about you, Sean? And the sort of, again, the sort of the same kind of premise as to what does this ultimately mean regarding the popularity of the sport in the States? Yeah, I think the big thing for the NHL and hockey is I think it is getting you have you can grab that casual viewer um, that you weren't that you weren't getting before that you weren't getting when they left ESPN. Um, nobody was nobody was leaving the TV on NBC Sports Network in the background. No sports bar is leaving NBC Sports Network on in the background unless you requested them to put the hockey game on. Um, one of the great lines one NHL executive used to me is how ESPN is the sports bar default, where right now, if you go to a sports bar, they've got ESPN on the TV, ESPN2 on one of the TVs, and without, and, and because hockey wasn't a rights holder with ESPN, ESPN ignored hockey in many ways, especially on their television program. You could say otherwise for what they've done on their written word, they've done some good work there. But from a television standpoint, you would be in a sports bar and it would be the NBA, it would be baseball, and it would be, and hockey would not be on there. Now you're going to have, I've, I've been told there's going to be a Thursday night game. Okay, if Every Thursday night, if you're in a sports bar, hey, there's going to be an, ES, an NHL game on ESPN uh, across the country. You're going to see it actually discussed in the highlights. You're going to see it discussed more in sports center. You may even see it to the point where they talk about it in the daytime shows, because now they have that, uh, that initiative to help drive interest to it. And then I think the other big thing too, is you're going to get some more interest. Um, you're, you're going, you're getting away from the streaming niche NHL TV subscriber. If you were subscribing to NHL TV, you were a diehard hockey fan. And you were not, you weren't going to, and you're moving, that market is still going to follow you to ESPN plus, or maybe they already subscribed to ESPN plus, but now you get the market where you're going to get people who are flipping through ESPN plus looking for programming, looking for something to watch. And maybe they check out a hockey game that they would, they would have never paid for NHL TV before. That to me is the big thing as far as growing the sport of the ESPN factor of, okay, in the masses, in public life, once we have public life again, whenever that, that does, and I know we're a year into COVID right now, and kind of the whole, hey, someone lives in, say, Florida, and they're originally from Chicago. Maybe they wouldn't buy a Black a NHL TV for the Blackhawks before, but now maybe they'll watch the Blackhawks game because they get it as part of their ESPN Plus package. I think I think that impact is, really, is going to be big for, for the sport. Uh, and I don't know how we can measure that right away, but I think long-term we're going to look at things like that as getting more eyeballs on this sport and more interest. Let me just stick with you, Sean. You think there's a big base out there that would pay for both ESPN Plus and whatever the uh, regional network is in your area so that you can get every single NHL game from uh, your favorite team your, your, or whatever market you're in? I think there's a large enough base because of the price point. Um, I think, and, and, and with everything that's being put on ES, that's being put on ESPN plus now, um, obviously not everyone is going to do it. You're not going to get, you're not going to get, you're not going to get those, the full conversion, but I think there's enough, especially with those 75 exclusive games on ESPN plus and Hulu. I think there's enough with that price point of, 1399 for well the Disney bundles 1399 or that they keep shell, selling but like the six or seven bucks a month or whatever so I think there's enough of a market piece that will say okay it's uh, it's worth it and I, I, I think that space is there um, and 
I, I also think you're going to have, I, I know, I don't, I don't know how well Disney, how well Disney and ESPN are good at, at uh, fighting through this. And maybe something we, we shouldn't talk about, but there's also the element of how many people say I'll pay six bucks a month and get a VPN because I need to get around blackout restrictions. But I think there's also that market too, even though, even if it's not kosher to technically talk about that in a public space. <laughs> okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ryan, let me stick with you. Um, I've covered ESPN for a long time. I have seen them partner up with leagues before, and there's, you know, there's an anticipation that once this partnership exists, all the ESPN opinion shows and chat shows and Sports Center are going to be talking all day, every day about the sport. That's not always the case, and in many times it it hasn't been the case. Um, so, I, I think here's sort of my take, and I I want you to just sort of play off it and and tell me what you think. I think initially, when the in the first very early honeymoon days of this contract, I think you're going to see NHL content all over the place on ESPN and some untraditional places like GetUp or SportsCenter, etc. What I don't know, and, and on their website, and they'll probably make some hires and stuff. What I don't know is if it will, if that commitment will last, um, especially given the dollars that they're going to pay for the NFL, and especially their commitment to particularly college football. Um, and some other college sports. Do you, where's your optimism lie on, let's say in 2025, Sports Center um, having a hockey highlight in the first uh, 10 minutes of a show? You could argue that all depends upon how many viewers, readers, whatever your metric is, is willing to pay attention to that content. With the NBA and the NFL, you're already going to have built-in audiences. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. Uh, fantasy football in some ways is more popular than leagues where people actually play games. So that being said, when you're looking at it from the standpoint of the NHL, Richard, it probably goes more back to the fact of, is there enough people who are interested in this? Because you are talking about a sport that for people in a lot of American markets, it is third or fourth. Let's take Boston, for example. Boston is a place that loves the Bruins, loves, loves, loves the Bruins. But they're not the Red Sox. They're not the Patriots. You could argue some years like they're fighting for third with, with the Celtics or even some years the Celtics are, are higher. But that be, And it's a clear gap. So that said, it's about how do you work that in? Because, yes, we talk about the NBA and, and the NFL and, yes, a little bit of Major League Baseball. But you're also looking at college athletics as well. And when you look at how many people in America have an interest in college athletics, whether it be you live in the Southeast, the Northwest, uh, the Midwest, whatever, those are some programs and some teams where their popularity, if you're ESPN, you might say, is it a better use of our resources to focus on the ACC than it would be what game is going on in the Central Division of the NHL? So again, it just all depends truthfully upon how much of an interest there is is in this because that's always going to be the challenge with this sport is people look at TSN and they look at uh, Rogers Sportsnet and say, 
why can't this be replicated in the U.S.? Well, in Canada, it's the national sport. You see Brent Burns on Hockey Night in Canada doing a, a Kit Kat commercial. Don't know if you really see Brent Burns doing Kit Kat commercials in San Jose where he actually plays. So again, it's just, it's how do you retrain thinking when this has been the landscape for several years? Ryan, I've seen that commercial a thousand times, by the way. So thank you for that, uh, bringing that back up again. Oh, of course. I, I mean, I see it too, just because like here we have CBC in Seattle. And so my wife and I, we always watch Hockey Night and, and she's just kind of like, why do I never see these commercials in America? And it's like, yeah, that's a very interesting question. Ryan, I want to stick with you just real quick. What, what, give my listeners uh, an update on where the Seattle television situation stands. Um, I think if I'm right about this, they have a cable provider at the moment to air at least a certain amount of games, or if not, correct me. Yeah, so they recently signed a multi-year deal with Root Sports. So, of course, Root Sports is part of the AT&T umbrella. They've already broadcast the Vegas Golden Knights, the Pittsburgh Penguins, in terms of what they do with hockey broadcasts. And the agreement, I believe, is 75 or 76 regular season games that Root and the Kraken have agreed to televise in that first season. Yeah, nice deal already. Uh, Sean, let me go back to you. Um, your reporting, and certainly other people who have reported this, um, have indicated that the NHL is still negotiating with NBC, and I think they would certainly like that relationship to continue. I think the question for NBC is, um, yeah, they'd like it to continue as well, but what is the price point that they're, be, they're willing to continue that relationship? And then Fox feels like a little bit of a... Um, of a of a stalker for the rights is as as well uh maybe dark horse is a little too strong but i think they're there it seems like very much of a long shot of cbs or turner end up with the rights um from your reporting uh where do things stand right now and what are your expectations on who will get the b package for the nhl yeah i, I think right now i mean from my understanding and talking to people, I, I think nbc is still the favorite um but right now it's kind of the crossroads in decision time for NBC on who they want to be and where they want, whether they want to be in this space. Um, Cause everything I've heard and all and everyone I've spoken to, it's looking like $200 million for the B package. Um, that's probably the, where it's going to come in at, whether it's for NBC or Fox and for NBC, it's a question of, do we want to pay the same thing for uh, the B package as opposed to being the national rights carrier and is this really a space we want to go into when obviously NBC has picked no fault to them at all has picked the, the, the giant focus on Sunday night football, the, the premier league. Um, those are the areas where their, their focus is, is the highest. Oh, my daughter's joining the conversation. Um, the, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and those are the, those are the focuses where the conversation has been the highest. And, uh, and, Sorry about that. No, um, we're, keep, we're keeping it in. We love we love the yeah, natural yeah, yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah. So, She's making a case for the Mecham uh, auto auction. She doesn't appreciate the disrespect. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's the. Here we go. All right, there we go. Uh, so, so to to get back to get back on my my, my track here. Sorry about that. Uh, it's to me, it's an element of NBC is the front runner on this, and if NBC ultimately wants to be part of the NHL again, I think it will it will happen. I think it's kind of the balls in their court. I think Fox is going to be there and is going to have an offer on the table, but I really think it's going to end up being NBC who steps in and just at the end of the day decides it's worth having that programming 
for getting the Stanley Cup final every other year, having a conference, having the conference final, getting half of the Stanley Cup pa- playoff package overall. Um, I think overall that will be the final decision for NBC. Um, they're not going to like that they're paying $200 million for half price, for, for half, not half price, $200 million for the B package. But I think that's going to be the final decision. But I also wouldn't be stunned if Fox gets in. One interesting thing of people I've talked to that will be interesting of how this all plays out is the B package comes with, in theory, the winter classic because ESPN obviously has all of the uh, e- ESPN has the January 1st, uh, has the January 1st commitments with college football, bowl games and all of that stuff. And NBC was a big proponent of the, uh, of, of the winter classic. Would if Fox is the team is, is the, uh, if Fox is the, uh, is the, the B package holder, will they be interested in doing something like that? I think that's another kind of storyline that comes in with all of this of, is it NBC? And if it's not NBC, what happens to Winter Classic? Because it, is it still a January 1st fixture with Fox? Is it there, or do outdoor games become something else where they step away from trying to challenge college football on the first day of the year? And I know you can hear me, Patrick Antonetti. Leave that in. We want Sean's daughter in. So that's this is staying in. Um, <laughs> Ryan, um, I agree. I happen to agree with Sean. I think in the end, NBC retains, although I honestly would have thought they would have been retained. They would have retained by now. So it does make it a little bit interesting. How do you think the fan base, the, the fan base at large, would react to Fox returning to the NHL? And so you would have two old rights holders next year um, doing the games and essentially the generation, multiple generations now that have been raised on NBC now have to sort of rebehavior themselves for coverage on two entirely new networks. For one, there's probably going to be stories about a glowing puck that are going to just fly all over social media. So there's that. But let's say if it does go back to Fox in this hypothetical, it goes back to what we originally talked about with like retrofitting where once upon a time, this is how it was. And it's interesting because when you look back at that era of American television and more specifically American sports television, you could argue it felt like the NHL was more readily available because you knew you were going to see it on ESPN. You knew you were going to see it on Fox. And that was at a time, which Richard, you could speak to this better than anyone, where it felt like Fox was really working to make sports a spectacle, where, whether it was the, the football robots or uh, – the glowing puck or whatever. It just was like Fox was almost like, hey, we're going to give you sports, but we're going to give you something that's maybe a little bit extra and a little bit out there. And it felt like at that time, hockey was more in the mainstream and it felt like it was so easier to see compared to now. Now, granted, the big difference is this. There are more television options, not only just the number of channels, but in terms of the program you can watch. Because again, like we, we look at some of these sports in the mid 90s, Premier League soccer or European soccer as a whole was something you had to do pay-per-view. And I say that as someone who grew up doing that, whereas if now, I mean, it is everywhere. You can literally watch whatever league you want. So to go to Fox would be interesting because to Sean's point about the Winter Classic, Fox has a college football programming uh, element to what they do as well. And so that's just it, is when you look at what January looks like for Fox, like, yes, there's college football, there's college basketball, You could argue, is there enough room for something like the Winter Classic, whereas if with NBC, once Notre Dame football is off the air, like, yes, you could argue, yes, this is kind of the jewel that they use to kick off the new year in addition to having Premier League soccer. So, again, it's just interesting because it also goes back to this point, too, and and maybe this is apples and oranges, but when you look at how things work when they're on 
NBC versus how when they're on ESPN. Let's look at something like Formula One racing. F1 was on ESPN, or excuse me, on NBC for, for years. And it was there, it was visible, but it wasn't like what it is now where with ESPN having the rights, you hear more people talking about it. Now, yes, you could argue, is some of that because of the Netflix documentary? Potentially. But it feels like just the idea of ESPN having something is enough. It's almost kind of like what people say about Nike with marketing. They can't tell you the last time you saw an actual commercial for a specific shoe. It's about marketing a brand. It's about marketing an image. And if you're a sport or a league and you're on ESPN, maybe that's what you're banking on compared to another network. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, last one for both of you guys. Um, and Sean, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start with you here. Um, viewership numbers for the NHL this year. Uh, regular season, I think, have been better than people expected. The Canadian division per, in in Canada, uh, viewership's up, and that has been perhaps not surprisingly successful. Uh, there's been some rivalries and some matchups in the states that have been successful. I particularly love the North Division. I think it's great. I like seeing these teams play each other as much as possible. Um, I, the NHL has seemed to indicate that it won't last. I think they should consider it. Uh, heading forward because I actually think it's a viewership winner as well. Um, what are your expectations next year regarding um, regarding realignment or no realignment and how that might relate to viewership? Yeah, I, I think, I think they, they'll have to realign. They'll have to go back to, I think the Canadian division is going to be a one-off experiment. Um, I think it's definitely exciting in Canada, but I think as a sport and, and the growth of the game, you can't have arguably and you can't have arguably the two heart trophy candidates not play a single game in the United States. And I know the, I know the schedule would be opened up and they would finally be crossing the border again. But I think it, the NHL really needs, they need Connor McDavid. They need Austin Matthews. They need those players in, in prime time right now. And so unless the American TV rights holders, ESPN and whether it's NBC or Fox, unless they're all of a sudden going to, say, okay, we're going to show uh, the Maple Leafs in primetime and the Oilers in primetime as often as possible, I think the setup doesn't work well for growing the game with your best personalities. Um, hockey, not best personality, best players. Hockey needs to have more personality from best players in general. We could talk for hours about that. But I think we, at a minimum, we at least need those best players playing in the United States as much as, much as possible because at the end of the day, People in Canada are going to watch the game, whether the teams are good or bad. <laughs> and that's just, that's a fact, I think. Where in the United States, you you need more of, okay, Austin Matthews is coming to town. Sidney Crosby is coming to town. Connor McDavid's coming to town. I think by putting together a North division like that, I think you cut off a little bit of your legs for growth in the United States, in, in, in my opinion, just as far as what you can do with the game. Ryan, uh, one last one for you. That's interesting. Uh, Sean, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, maybe... 
selfishly. Uh, my Canadian part of me is now showing, but I, I hope they keep it. I happen to agree with you. I don't think they will. Ryan, one of the things that's uh, that's kind of fun to think about with ESPN now as the A rights holder is you could have a June where on back-to-back-to-back-to-back nights, you get the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Finals. Pretty crazy, right? It would be a ratings boon, that's for sure. But also, not only that, but just if you're ESPN, if you're able to, to sort of make that happen, I mean, again, you work to be the epicenter of what everyone is talking about. And that's where we, when we go back to the earlier conversation piece, Richard, about what this programming look like, that's where it's really going to get interesting is how is that going to materialize? Because you know what the NBA finals, what ESPN is going to do. They're going to send people on location. They're going to go all out. Like you're going to see all these things with the jump, you name it. But what will the hockey equivalent of that look like? Is it something where you're just, sending a few people, you're just doing it from studio. What, what does that look like? But also we, we talk about the opportunities, like you said, for employment, like what is that going to look like in terms of the on-air component? Because right now the, the natural inclination is you're going to see Linda Cohn, John Butchergrass, you're going to see Barry Melrose, but what will that look like going forward? Do you start incorporating Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan into that discussion? Do you look at bringing in more people from the outside? Like what exactly do you do? So yes, if they're able to get the NBA finals and the Stanley cup finals on consecutive evenings, yes, you're going to be drawing from all sorts of, of, of parts of, of, of the United States, all different demographics. And who knows, there might even be a little bit of crossover where the NBA fan who says, Hey, maybe I'll watch the NHL and vice versa. But at the same time, where it's really going to be the telltale sign, or at least it appears that way is what they do with their programming when there's not games, whether it be your pregame, your postgame, the build up to it, the content that you see, how they discuss this on all their shows. I, I'm, I want to just add on to Ryan's point. One thing I'm really interested to do, just keep note of, is what will ESPN do for the Stanley Cup final coverage in the years they don't have it? Will they still send some? Will they still send a live pregame show and try and put something on ESPN and do maybe like an in the crease type show that's its own pregame show and try to go head to head? Or I'm really interested to see what they do in those years when they don't have it because I think that'll be a big tell of where their investment, not their, their time investment is on content or really something they're pushing as uh, to really try and push, push further into the audience. Like they, they talked about in with platitudes in the press conference yesterday. Yeah. Great. That's a great point, Sean. 20 minute uh, conversation on Steph Curry, LeBron James, followed by we'll do one minute on Patrice Bergeron and the impact of the Bruins. Um, but uh, that's a really great point, Sean. And actually, relax, ESPN PR. Calm down. I was just kidding. Um, we, uh, uh, we'll watch that. And I think that's a real good tell. You're exactly right. How they handle a rights property when they're not specifically benefiting ad-wise from that rights property will tell you a lot. Uh, interesting conversation, guys. Thanks. Sean Shapiro is an NHL reporter for The Athletic and specializes in the business of hockey. Check his work out on The Athletic and uh, and on Twitter and elsewhere. Ryan S. Clark covers the NHL for The Athletic and uh, also with a specialty or specific to the Seattle Kraken, uh, who will be playing next year. Very exciting, Ryan. That, that, that franchise is going to be off the charts uh, great because Seattle's such a good sports city. Guys, thanks uh, very much today for joining me on the uh, Sports Media Podcast. And Sean, we'll, uh, we'll get your daughter some um, revenue for uh, when we sell this podcast. Uh, we'll give her a little bit of dollars for her uh, for her appearance there. So thank you. Uh, I'll pass that on. She'll be happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Canadian dollars only, Sean. But thank you. Thanks, Ryan. And thank you. Uh, thanks, Sean.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, my thanks to uh, my colleagues at The Athletic, Sean and Ryan for uh, popping on a, a short uh, but hopefully informative podcast. I wanted to get something out on the ESPN deal with uh, the NHL. Pretty significant, obviously. Not, I mean, it goes without saying. The um, previous episodes of this podcast, if you want to check them out in our archives, uh, we've had a couple of good ones, I thought. How to Create a Great Podcast with Conrad Thompson and Jim Ross, J.R. Ross. If you're a wrestling fan, I think you'll uh, really enjoy that. They have a massively successful podcast, Grilling J.R., and we go behind the scenes on how to build how to build a successful podcast and why that has worked. Before that, John O'Rand on the immediate future of the uh, of the NFL on television streaming. Prior to that, Steve Levy of ESPN, a long conversation with him on Monday Night Football and uh, just his um, his impressions of his first year. Before that, Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post uh, going from covering the U.S. presidential campaign to now being a national baseball reporter and Donovan Bennett of Sportsnet in uh, Canada on a number of different topics, including the nexus of COVID-19 and sports. If you like these kind of conversations, please uh, head to um, the Sports Media with Richard Deitch page, particularly on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That is how this podcast continues. I want to thank Patrick and Sean, of course, for producing this podcast. Thanks, everybody, at Cadence 13, from Chris Corcoran, Spencer Brown, and John McDermott. And, of course, thank you, the audience, for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.